0: Have faith in God is not a stagnant state, it's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Well, aloha, and welcome again to the believer's journey. And it's really nice to have you join us. We have a really special program today. Um, I actually have my better half with me, Susan. And she's going to be joining us in our discussion. And we're going to talk about uh, how God draws close to his people. And uh, we're actually going to do that in the beginning of our program rather than the second half. And in the second half, uh, because uh, Susan and I are going to the Republic of Moldova, uh, on a mission trip, we're going to talk about Moldova and mission trips and what we do, what we try to do, what the missionaries over in Moldova do, and we'll have a discussion about it, that as well. I want to, before we get started, I want to thank everybody for participating in, in uh, your comments. I got a lot of good comments this last time we did our uh, program. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, keep the comments coming, keep the questions coming. Uh, I'm noticing my subscriptions are growing, and that's really wonderful. So it just helps you to find me easier if you subscribe to our, um, our, our YouTube channel, and uh, it's totally free. It just gives you more access and easier access. And I want to thank my sponsors. Everybody who has sponsored me or given to our um, ministry, I appreciate it. Uh, If you want to give to our ministry, you can write an email or you can go on our website, thebelieversjourney.net. And uh, there is a donate button there, or you can just write us and uh, we'll be glad to help you out. We are, uh, it is tax deductible. And so we want you to be good stewards of your money, just like you you hope we are with ours. Um, I want to thank everybody who's given to us for our trip to Moldova all proceeds that are given to us are given to the missionaries themselves. Uh, what we do is we purchase clothing and things, uh, vitamins and all kinds of stuff for them and bring them over to them. And this is due to your donations. And I appreciate that. Okay, so let's get started. Um, say hello, Susan. Hi. <laughs> uh, and uh, we have the topic, God draws close to his people. Um before I read the scripture, because there's a scripture we want to read out of uh, Second, out of 1 Corinthians, um, talk to us, Susan, about how you feel and where you are with God being close to you. Why is it important that you know God draws close to you?
1: Well, I think it's important because it gives us direction in our lives that we're working according to his will. And to always be aware of, you know, what his goals are for us to walk in step with him and make sure we're following the path that he has laid out for us
0: well i noticed that when we talk about god being close to us there are always different reasons we had a show previously about uh knowing of god talk speaking to us and how do we how do we, can we ascertain his voice you know and his will we've talked about that with um with a missionary a year ago, but I know that there's things in the Bible that God draws close to us in the reasons I say um, with Hagar and uh, Abraham when Hagar was broken hearted and God drew close to her because He saw that she was bitterly weeping because Sarah just totally mistreated her, and we see that through the whole Scripture. We talk; you see that God has talked about. You know, his people, he is a father to his, his people. And so this all indicates that he's close to his people. He draws close to them. They are my children. Uh, we see Jesus and with his disciples and with the people there. And he says, you know, as he's leaving, I will always be with you. And I send you the Holy Spirit. And, you know, there's there's this whole idea that God is close to us, but in all kinds of situations. And I think that's really important, whether we are hurting, whether we are uh, seeking guidance, as you said, Mm -hmm. Um, we're seeking truth Uh, is another thing. I think if we're seeking truth, you know, sincere truth that that God, we ask him and seek him, he will give us, show us the truth. And Jesus says that when he says that the Holy Spirit is to teach us all things and guide us into all truth. So any comments on that?
1: Well, I think we need to be aware of God and how he's working in our lives, the people that he brings to us, um, the different situations to try and discern what direction we should take based on, you know, his guidance, which if we sort of tune in, uh, we can know that God is there with us and guiding us in what we need to do. And, you know, that's through prayer and just allowing ourselves to be open to receive his spirit.
0: You know, it's interesting, just a side note here. Um, I'm working on my dissertation. And last week when I was writing about the Bible, and I mentioned in there that God reveals himself mainly through the scriptures. I mean, that's how we basically know of him. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that God reveals himself, whether it be nature, other people, whatever. But, you know, predominantly we have the scriptures and we know about God, who God is, and we can know what he wants of us and from us basically because he says so. You know, and I think that um, if, if we understand that, then and we can read the Bible in such a way that we have it in good context, we can understand God in a real easy and profound way.
1: Well, I think a lot of times, too, God leads us to seek certain um, scriptures in the Bible. You know, it's just this feeling that you need to be in a particular book or verse, and it can speak to you about your current situation, something you're going through help lead you in the right direction.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, you gave me a verse, and I'm going to read it, and we're going to talk a little bit about it, and then we're going to talk about how and why and for what reasons that God draws close to his people. Okay? So uh, in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 10, it says this. He says, It is written, uh, What no eye has seen, And what no ear has heard and what no human mind has conceived, the things of God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So talk about that scripture a little bit.
1: Well, This is interesting with this particular scripture because I was raised Catholic, which meant that you didn't really carry around a Bible and just read it on your own. You just went to Mass, and you had the daily readings, and so you might recognize certain scripture passages like um, John 3.16 or something else that was relevant to whatever they were doing during the Mass— but I didn't know the names of all the books in the Bible. I was familiar with, um, you know, certain ones like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and uh, some Hezekiah. of the New Testament. Hezekiah one Well, oh. I didn't really know anything in the Old Testament. Actually, Hezekiah
0: is not a book.
1: I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> well, you see, my, my learning is still uh, necessary. But uh, so... I had been going through a very difficult uh, and contentious divorce with my first husband, and uh, it was really upsetting. And I was sleeping, and I audibly heard this voice tell me Corinthians 2.10. And I'm going, well, what's Corinthians? (laughs) I had no idea. So I got out my Bible and started looking, and I found that there were two books, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. So I read the scriptures in both that were 2.10, and I realized it was uh, 1 Corinthians 2.10 that seemed to apply to my situation to bring my awareness that God was there, and all I needed to do was look to him and follow him, and he would be there for me. And so that was very meaningful.
0: You know, it's interesting. I think because you know, you and I both have seen a lot of people go through a lot of hurtful situations and harmful situations, and so forth. And we've had friends who have, you know, suffered from death of their loved ones. Uh, even just most recently, your best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, But through the years we've seen this, and it's amazing in looking at these people, and there's probably a couple handful of people, especially, that some of them really get it. They know God's with them. They know God's there. It's a matter of getting their self aligned with knowing and feeling emotionally, grasping and, and walking through the day that God is there. And then you have the other side wondering, well, is God really here? Look at all my loss, look at my pain, look at all the suffering, look at what I'm going through. You know, does God even love me? Am I just not, because I don't think he's here, I don't feel like I'm worthy. I mean, did you experience any of those?
1: Well, I always felt that he was there in a knowledge sense, but actually really feeling him because of... My background, uh, I was never really taught about a personal relationship with God. And when that was revealed to me, you know, it felt personal. And I could see after that all the different ways that God was working in my life, the people that he was bringing in my life, the opportunities, just the protection. I mean, it was just all so evident.
0: Well, I'm going to bring up something personal about you. I haven't told you I was going to do this. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, we'll see
1: I, where that goes.
0: <laughs> especially when we leave. Well, we'll see. Um, I know that when you and I have talked, this is years ago. This is not even recent. This is in the first part of our relationship. Um, you were really hurting and... And I could see there was a problem. And I asked you about God loving you. And you said to me, you didn't feel that you were worthy enough that God would even really love you. Do you remember saying that? No. Nope. Yeah, you said that. <laughs> okay. Because you're unworthy. And those, those were the words you use. I am unworthy. I don't know how God could really love me. And this was early on in our relationship, even the first Within the first year or, two or so in our relationship, and so it's been an ongoing work, I think. But um, do you have, do you remember any sense of feeling like?
1: Well, going through really difficult times, uh, you have self doubt and feelings about things, and I think even people who are secure in their relationship with God question things from time to time, especially when they go through a difficult time, like the loss of a loved one or, um, you know, just a difficult circumstance like a divorce or illness. There are so many occasions where you have that doubt that comes in or you wonder if you're worthy enough. Um, I don't think it means you don't have a relationship with God. I think you just have vulnerable periods of time
0: yeah i know that uh in talking about divorce divorce has to be one of the hardest things i i think divorce is even harder than uh a spouse dying uh, i've had both i've had someone divorce me and i've had someone die on me so but the divorce is hard because you feel like you're rejected so you're not good enough and you feel all these feelings of rejection and Uh, I'm not good enough. And is anybody going to like me or love me? Um, Especially if you're married to somebody who tells you that nobody's going to love you. I mean, that, I mean, you've experienced that.
1: Yeah. I think that's a pretty common situation. Yeah.
0: So, um, but I think through all of that, that's why I, I talk a lot about getting into your scriptures, reading your scriptures and, and having the scriptures, your foundation of, of understanding so that you're, you're strong, and that you understand. So when things come down on you and crash on you, that you you don't fall apart, and you don't fall apart because you're grounded in the scripture. And I think that's a huge thing. Um, I understand the sense of loss, and that doesn't matter. You're you're going to feel a sense of loss and hurt and pain no matter what happens when somebody's gone. Mm-hmm. But the sense of Am I worthy? Does God, are you really there? Do you really love me, or am I just really unloving, or not worthy? That I think comes from a basis of Am I grounded in the Scripture? I mean, do you? What do you think?
1: Well, because I had not really had that background, you know, that was the learning curve for me and researching and getting into the different scriptures. And actually, I still have a lot of notes and things that I took during that period of time as I went through different books in the Bible, different scriptures, the things that spoke to me um, that, you know, is God leading me to those areas to learn. And it made a big difference.
0: I have to say... I, I'm probably more for, fortunate than most people. Uh, once I got my act together, <laughs> I was probably in my mid 30s. Once I got my act together, I was able to draw on the things that were taught to me, and I had this person on my program is Lon Eckdahl. and Lon taught me a faith like I've never known a faith from anybody before. Is that when stuff happens, you know, God, it's God's in control. I mean, it's amazing that um, when I was living with him and we were going to a little church and we didn't have enough money for our, I think it was electric bill or mortgage, I'm not sure which it was, and we were short. And the next, and God just told the treasurer who came to us and said, "Oh, well, we're, we're in trouble because we can't pay our bill." And he said, "Well, you know, it's the Lord's church. You know, whatever He does with, it, He does with it." And the next morning, we get a knock on the door. And a lady came and, and gave us the exact amount of money. She didn't know anything about it from her son, who attended the church the day before, mm-hmm. and meant to give the money. But Lon was like his faith; his faith never waived at all because he knew, was, hey, God's in control. And besides, it's his church,
1: right?
0: You know. And I learned these kind of lessons and the value of this in faith. And um, I was fortunate. So I, you know, every time you and I get a place and you get worried. Oh no. Well, you know, when things are tough, especially in the beginning, you know, we were making much money and you would say, I don't know if we have enough money to eat. And I, and I would say to you, what do you think God's going to have us starve? Well, no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you remember all those times. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I just had, I had an unwavering faith that God will pull through. He, he won't let us starve on the street. He just don't let, you know, I just believe that. So and uh, and I think that's kind of rubbing off on you somewhat.
1: Well, you had the foundation. I had to start from scratch. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, though I get it and understand it now, that you were blessed that you had somebody like Lon in your life. I mean, he is a total blessing.
0: Yeah. I, there's no one like him. I, I've never met anybody like him at all. I'm sure there are people like him, but... Um, I think that, um, there's, there's something, I brought up Hagar and the fact that she was broken hearted and it wasn't Sarah. It was Hagar that God went to, to comfort because she wept and was so broken hearted and God gave her a blessing, you know? I mean, we talked about Isaac getting the blessing, you know, because from Abraham, but God gave uh, Ishmael, same blessing, you know. I mean, it was just interesting that um, god God's a pretty cool guy when you get to realize all the things that he really is there for us. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> There's a passage in Psalms, of 3418, it says, Is the Lord close to the brokenhearted? Um, I'm sorry, it says, The Lord is, bro- is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed. In, in spirit. And I believe that's so true. I mean, there are times when I have been so hurt and brokenhearted. I remember there are certain times when when um, things have happened that were far beyond my comprehension, and I was crushed. And uh, my problem was, at the, let's say one particular situation, I, because of something somebody did to me, I basically uh, built in a a non-forgiveness for this person. And I went to Hawaii, visit Juan, just before I moved there. And he got concerned because Jesus says, if you don't forgive others, you know, the Father is not going to forgive you. And he says to me, I don't think Jesus said that for his health. (laughs) You know,
1: He didn't need to.
0: (laughs) No. So he kept me there in Hawaii for two more weeks so that I could work through this because he definitely did not want me to, walk away with unforgiveness in my heart. And I think that it, it taught me a lot about about Jesus, a lot about God, and, and that he's there. And he is that comfort, he is that cushion, you know, to help us. But to keep my mind straight at the same time so that I don't veer off on my own anger or, you know, unforgiveness or whatever it might be to get off track.
1: Well, I think that's why... When I was going through that really difficult time. You know, I was being led to specific scriptures that I needed at that particular time to understand things or to help me with my feelings about a situation. And it was uh, really cool.
0: Well, I'll say this much for what you shared with me. Because for people who... Have read the scriptures a lot, and I unfortunately there are churches out there, denominations out there that don't put a lot of emphasis, or maybe in the past didn't put a lot of emphasis in reading your passages, reading your scriptures. You know, those who who have and those who do, um, it's like they know where to go. They know they know how to look up and find that and walk through that. So in your situation, coming from a background. Because the Catholic Church back then really didn't do any Bible teaching. And so they've kind of, in the past 20, maybe started about 30 years ago, they started the Bible teaching. And little by little, more Catholic churches started. And and I don't know what the percentage is today, but you have more Catholics. Oh, my word. I think In my classes and in people's homes, I've been called to Catholic homes to teach them Bible. I even... Got hired at a Catholic high school to teach Bible, so the you know so it, it's become more and more prevalent. But for somebody who has not been versed in the Bible because uh, they follow what their denomination teaches them, it, it to me it says God really this this here. This verse fits you. He's close to the broken heart. He's close to you. Obviously, he cared enough about you to tell you the verse to go to. Right. You had no idea, which tells me he must love you.
1: Well, yeah, it's very evident and very specific uh, in a way that really gets your attention.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, in 1 Peter uh, 5, 7, it says to cast your cares upon him. OK, because he cares for you. I mean, there's the, the scriptures are so rich in this area. And I think it's probably that way because he knows us. He knows that we fall apart. He knows that we we crumble, you know, at the first sight of problems or anguish or pain or rejection.
1: Well, I, I think the, the big message is to let us know that we're not alone that maybe we don't have an individual in our life at the moment that we can rely on, but it's not necessary because all we need is him.
0: Well, well, well that's not really true.
1: But at, in the moment.
0: Okay. But understand, because the, the whole principle of Scripture and and Judaism and Christianity is built on the fact that we need him and we need each other, other right, believers, I, equally as much.
1: Yeah, but in that time when you're lost and, you know, then he's there to guide you. Agreed.
0: And Agreed. that's
1: really the context. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. I don't think we should ever rule out the fact that God, because even the Old Testament teaches this, New Testament teaches this, that we need one another.
1: Well, sure. And then he puts people in our lives that when you look back, you can see that, you know, there was a divine purpose for them being there at that time or what they were able to provide for you. And so he's the guiding force.
0: Yes. Yeah. So I I think, you know, even Jesus, he's with his people. He's with the followers. He's with his disciples. And he spends time with them. He shares with them. He prays for them. He prays with them. He does. He feeds them. He, they know he's there. They know that he cares. Not because he's preaching at them and telling them, God, God will save you, Turn, repent. It's because he's feeding them. He sees their pain and he heals them. And so we know that he cares because of his very nature of and lifestyle That as he's living throughout the the. Mm-hmm. The people. And I think, you know, when Jesus talking to his disciples and says, I will be with you always. And then he says, I will, I'm going to have to go away, but I have to go away so I can sit in the comfort of the Holy Spirit right. who will be with everybody. And so I think he gives us that assurance that he's always going to be here in one form or the other. Right. He, he's with us. And I think that's important that we see that God That he knows that we need him. He knows this. And that's why he tried to assure us that he'll be with
1: us. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. So, okay. And let me me read another passage. This is in Isaiah. It's in chapter 41, verse 10. Isaiah says this, or actually God says this. uh, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So I think it's important. It's not that God will only comfort us. Because we don't want to just sit there and go through our life feeling like we want to be comforted. But he says here, I will strengthen you. Mm-hmm. In other words, he'll, he'll lift us up out of that and we can become stronger and, and go forward. And I think that's a huge thing. I mean, that's, uh, obviously I think that's something I see in you, you know, because at the point where you're crushed, you need that comfort, but once, once he's there and he gives you strength, what do you do?
1: You're able to move forward.
0: Exactly. Cause all, if all you do was sit in a corner to be comforted and you're sucking your thumb and you don't go anywhere. You're sitting in a corner, <laughs> sucking your thumb for 30 years, and what have you accomplished? Nothing. So really, it's about strengthening you so, like you said, we can go forward.
1: And, and I could see that, and it, that has been what's happened. You know, I have, through all those times of adversity, been able to move forward, and uh, I haven't been able to do it on my own, but with him at my side you know it makes a difference yeah yeah so anyway um
0: last passage i have to read here is in john it's in chapter 14 verse 27 and jesus says this peace i have with you or i'm sorry peace i live with leave with you Ooh, <laughs> boy my i got a, i got to bed at one thirty in the morning <laughs> well we
1: just got back from a conference
0: yeah i know <laughs> So peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And I think this has a multiple teaching in this one passage. And you need to look this up. John 14, 27. Because there's a lot of teaching here. There's teaching about peace. There's a teaching about strength. There's a teaching about being afraid. There's a teaching about him being with you. There's all these little teachings in this one passage. And I think it almost says it all, peace I give you. Not as the world gives, which obviously right there says something. That the world, what the world gives you, he's probably indicating or implying that it's not real peace. Right. You know, but what he gives, I mean, I look at Israel. They're looking for peace, 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 peace. But they're looking for peace within themselves and within treaties to make with these nations. But they need the peace of God. Right. More so than the peace from Iran.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: they really need, and we are the same way. We need the peace of God in our lives, not the peace that I feel happy because I'm in a state of happiness. Right. I mean, that's false peace. And I think that that's one thing that we all look for is peace. You know.
1: I think so. And that's where we can find that through the scriptures where he speaks to us about how to achieve that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he tells us not to be afraid.
1: (laughs) Still working on that one. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I'm laughing at my wife here.
1: (laughs) I'm a work in progress. So,
0: you know, and it's nice to know we're not all perfect. You know, we still deal with some of those things, you know. But as long as, like we said earlier, as long as we're going forward, that's what's important. There's no such thing as a good Christian or a bad Christian. We're either mature or we're immature. Hopefully, as we are immature, we're growing toward maturity.
1: Well, if we think we have all the answers, then we haven't understood the lesson.
0: That's perfectly exactly right. So I want to encourage everybody to understand that God does draw close to us. He he. It's It's been his purpose to do that since the creation of Adam and Eve. What did he do with Adam and Eve to show this? He walked with him in the garden. He was close to them. You know, even with Cain, I mean, people talk about Cain and Abel, how Cain killed Abel. Guess what, people? God came to Cain while Cain was angry, and he told Cain, whoa, you need to take your anger and fix this, because if you don't, you're going to do something you're going to really regret, and guess what? He let his anger go, and he killed his brother. And God warned him. God came close to him to let him know. And he did it in a way that was comforting. But Cain went off on his human side nature, his sin nature, and killed his brother anyway. So understand, God comes comes to us. He draws close to us. He comforts us. He leads us. And he gives us guidance. All the things we've talked about. And we're going to find these things in the scriptures. We're going to find these things. These are just a few scriptures that I have found, you know, that there are hundreds of them in the the scriptures. And we need to find this, especially if you're hurting, especially if you're going through a a period that you feel that God isn't close to you or you may feel like you're unloved or you feel rejected, you know. Um,
1: Well, that's why you pray and have him show you the scriptures that you need to help you get through your situation. Because that's what I did, and he did.
0: You know, I find Google amazing, you know, or any kind of search engine. You can type in a topic, you know, and ask for Bible verses. And they have all kinds of, you know, websites come up that have the different Bible verses. Now, mind you, some of those Bible verses don't match. But the ones that do, you can read that passage, not that scripture, but the passage above and below and find all kinds of stuff that's helpful. The scriptures are amazing. And I really encourage everybody. I talked about this uh, several weeks ago. You need to be in your Bible. You need to read your scriptures. You really do. It, it's just there. It's your foundation. It gives you strength. When things crash on you, when, when the unexpected happens to you, you know, you're grounded in the scriptures. If you're not, and the unexpected comes to you it's like Jesus said, you build your house on sand instead of a rock. Mm-hmm. And we gotta understand when a tragedy happens, if you're built on the scriptures, you're, you're gonna be solid, you know?
1: Well, I, I think that's the lesson here.
0: <laughs> okay, so the second thing I wanna talk about or we wanna discuss Susan and I are going to the Repu- Republic of Moldova. We just call it Moldova. And if you don't know where Moldova is, um, it's a little bitty country. It's a sliver of a country. It looks like a boot almost. Uh, between the countries of Romania and um, Ukraine. 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 And you got Poland on, on the top here. But you, Ukraine, Romania, and you have Moldova. Moldova is, go ahead and talk about Moldova.
1: Well, Moldova is the poorest country in Europe.
0: All of Europe, North, yes. east, and west. Yes,
1: mm-hmm. Europe. <laughs> I'm encompassing the whole area. Um, and uh, they have a history as a Christian nation. Uh, their um, primary historical figure was uh, Stephen the Great, and he uh, stopped the invasion of the Ottoman Turks uh, Bringing uh, you know Islam to Europe, and it stopped there in Moldova, actually, the country of Moldova uh, was actually all of what is uh Romania and when the u s s r was created and they took in all these countries, they renamed a large portion of the country as Romania and also included in Romania, Transylvania, which had been a separate nation like Moldova. And in 1991, when the um, USSR uh, fell apart and every the countries became their own again, Moldova was only a fraction of what it used to be. The country of Romania still stayed and uh but the culture and everything of Moldova is the same in Romania. Um,
0: in so. fact, what's funny, if you drive through Romania, we—I drove. Uh, I was uh, speaker for keynote speaker for the uh, missionaries at Campus Crusade in, Moldo- in, in Romania. We drove from Moldova into Romania, and several miles, you'll see signs all over Moldova. This Moldova, that so. The, the evidence and all the the feel of Moldova is still in Romania.
1: Right, it's basically the same people, same language, same culture, okay. uh, just different names.
0: Now, Romania is part of the European Union and Moldova is not. Moldova tends to buy its energy from Ukraine, which gets its energy from Russia. And so it kind of leans that way. Being the poorest nation in all of Europe, here's an example, um, your people who live in the city, so we go to Kish now, people live in the, in the capital or in the city, usually their income average is about $300 a month. Okay. Correct. Now I know that their rents are closer to five or $600. So they're already behind the times. So there's a problem right there. And the people in the villages, their average income is about 50 to $75 a month. However, they do grow their own grapes, potatoes, food. They do have their own chickens and whatever animals and they sell them to market. And this is basically how they survive. If you ever watch the movie Fiddler on the Roof and you look at these old houses and these old dirt roads, Well, that's what a village looks like in Moldova. So if you ever want to watch The Villa on the Roof, which I highly recommend, you'll see what Moldova looks like in the village. So, go ahead.
1: Well, the people in Moldova are very um, warm and welcoming. Unfortunately, because of the poverty, a lot of uh, the adults have to go to other countries to be guest workers so that they can earn enough money to send back to Moldova to support their families, which in a lot of cases creates what are called social orphans. They're not orphans in the sense of the children where their parents are deceased, but they are either living with a grandparent or another relative, or if they have no other relatives, then they do live in orphanages. And that creates a huge social issue because these children are separated from their parents. And uh, it makes it very difficult when we've been to the schools and have talked with the students. You know, a lot of them say, we want to leave Moldova. We want to go to the United States. We want to go to uh, England or some other country because they feel they aren't going to be able... uh, to sustain uh, you know, livable lifestyle in a country like the circumstances that they live in. And we encourage them to stay because you can't have change if everyone leaves. You have to be that change.
0: Um, uh, when Susan mentioned that the parents go to other countries, so what you have is, you may have a father who might go to Italy since the language are pretty similar, you have a lot going to Italy, you have some going to Russia, you have some going to Portugal. So they are in other countries. So you'll have, and they'll be gone for maybe 9 or 10 months of the year, and they'll visit for a month or two, and then they'll go back to work. Um, Sometimes they even come less than that. I think they have to come back a little bit. But, um, so most of the kids' children grow up without a father.
1: Right. In fact, one of the missionaries that we work with, his father... Most of his life growing up and even into adulthood was working and living in Portugal and he and the rest of his family were with his mother in Moldova and they very seldom saw their father. And you could see the pain that he went through because he knew his father was there, his father loved him, but he couldn't be there. He was having to work to send enough money so the family could survive.
0: So the other thing that Susan said was sometimes the father and the mother work outside the country, which leaves the children with either uh, an uncle or a grandparent or an orphanage. What that does is that, especially because of these orphanages, it, Moldova is one of the highest child trafficking centers in the world.
1: Human trafficking. Human
0: trafficking. Well, Mm -hmm. from children. Yeah. And uh, they're taken for, oh, well, whatever they take child trafficking for. I mean, it's just really terrible. So basically, um, uh, that's one problem. We do have orphanages uh, that are there, uh, like Stella's house, that actually, you know, uh, keeps the kids there and they raise them. And then when they graduate from school... They actually give a plan to help them have a, a career. They'll help them get into college or university so that they don't get caught up into the uh, child trafficking, even when they're 18 years old. So it helps them even further, which is really nice. There's not many orphanages that do that at all.
1: Well, Stella's house really isn't an orphanage. It's. Uh,
0: well, yeah, it is kind of.
1: Not officially, it's it's for it's older kids.
0: No. You have them from like junior high and up.
1: Well, I was mean not small children. Okay.
0: So um, the other problem this runs into is the fact that um, you have kids that now that when they get out of the situation with their aunt or uncle or or without their parents, because they don't know what it's like to see a father or mother interact or a husband and wife interact they grow up, they get married, and within a couple of years or a few years, they're, they divorce.
1: They don't know how to have a relationship.
0: Exactly. And the divorce rate in Moldova is incredibly high. Um, the, one of the um, missionaries that we support and we work with very, very closely, their name is Radu and Luda Kukos, Um basically they work with families and to help them understand about relationships about marriages about children and their whole premise is that god is the center of all relationships and so we they bring them to that basic foundation and build on that which is one of the reasons why we like to support them because it's not just for a certain group he actually gets has gone into the schools he gets into couples he gets into families and, and I've seen amazing work with this couple. And they've, uh, I guess, recruited other couples to help them with this.
1: Right, and it breaks the cycles of what's going on there with uh, not understanding relationships, how families are supposed to interact with each other, couples as husband and wife, or the couple as parents to their children. They're given the tools that they need.
0: Yeah. One of the things when I was in Moldova, and I want to talk a little bit about when we we're in Moldova. One of the things that really blew my mind is looking at all the young people that have cell phones. And, you know, cell phones are not totally cheap. And I finally asked one of the missionaries, was, why is it that if we're so poor here, we have all these, everybody has a cell phone. And they said, well, that's easy. The fathers or parents that go to these other countries send money back. And that's where they they get their cell phones. It's like, you know, that's what they do.
1: Well, it's especially important for the teenagers because they want to fit in. They want to feel like teenagers anywhere else and be able to do the same sorts of things. And that's a big part of that age group's culture is having the cell phones so you can get on social media and do things. so.
0: So when Susan and I go to Moldova... Uh, We've been doing this, I think, since I've gone since 2010, I think. No, it's 2011. I've been, but we mostly try to, we try to go every year. And uh, the first time I went and I came back and told my story, Susan's like, well, I want to (laughs) go. So now we we try to go together as much as we can. Uh, I think there's only been one or two other times you haven't. One
1: other time. Mm
0: -hmm. And um, so the, what The ministries we support over there and we work with, one is um, KBC Ministries. KBC Ministries, they have got a church, um, and they work with uh, young people. They have a Bible seminary, and I teach at the Bible seminary, Um, and I'll preach their services, and I'll help out with, uh, we actually support their youth pastor, and we work with them and an amazing couple. And during COVID, um, he, because it was all shut down, you really couldn't do anything. And even if you wanted to go to the park, it costs money to get into the park. So what he did was he decided to get these teenagers into the park and maybe go bike riding and have a Bible study and he would pay for this. So these kids can get in there and have a Bible study during when they were shut down. It was really cool.
1: Right, because they were outdoors. It was safer. Yeah.
0: So um, so they're still trying to find ways of ministry. One of the things that KBC Ministries also has, they have a, a camp. Um, one of the churches here, Community Bible Church in San Antonio, bought and paid for a camp for them so that they can have teenagers and camps for people. And they went ahead and they, uh, they fixed it up. And the incredible thing with, with um, KBC Ministries is the fact that they... Uh, if you go to church there and if you want to go to camp, if you invite five people, you get to go free. Right. I just don't remember if the camp cost $25 a person or $75 a person.
1: Well, I, I don't remember either, but it's been so successful because they are able to bring so many people who haven't heard about God and they're able to witness to them. And they have a lot of them uh, really begin to get involved with, um, you know, faith.
0: Yeah. And they say they have approximately 75% of the kids that come to camp are non-Christians. Right. Which is pure ministry. They're not doing it to have fun, and they're not paying $350 a a child to go to camp. Of course, they couldn't afford it. It would go broke in the first place. But, you know, for them to do this just pays its way to keep it going and to bring people to Christ.
1: And it's been very effective. And it also, even for those who initially don't come to Christ right away, they learn and see things on how to improve relationships and make new friends. And uh, it has a lot of benefits. The
0: second group we work with is, or I work with, this group, is... uh, young life and that's a pretty popular ministry and the the um, missionary i work with his name is yuri and he always has become to he's a teacher also uh, he teaches business in the in the schools there and he has me come and talk to his classes about jesus and about business and about things we have our own business and so um it's pretty cool and and it's funny when they first asked me to come teach i said well i don't know really a lot about business my whole thing was I use biblical principles because I'm a minister, and so I use the Bible as my guide through business that has helped us become successful. And he says, oh, that's okay.
1: <laughs> like, really? well, it, it Going into the classroom has been really, really great, and the kids ask great questions, and they're really curious about how people live in the United States, and... Uh, the things that are important, and then we can talk about how God works with us and through us. And so it's been really great.
0: And the last group that we work with is Campus Crusade for Life, or for Christ, and it's I guess the initials are as CRU, Mm C-R-U. And um, we probably do most of our work with them. Uh, They have about... Depending on on what year it is, they have between 60 to 70 people on staff. Mm -hmm. Um, You have probably about 25 to 30 couples that are married, married couples, and you have a lot of singles. Mm -hmm. And Campus Crusade works with uh, different areas, whether it be with teachers, and I work a lot with the teachers, and I have... um, Interpreters, because they want to hear this in, in Romanian. So or, interpreters. Or Russian. Well, usually with the teachers, it's Romanian. Yeah. When we do seminars, it's either Romanian and or Russian. Mm-hmm. When I'm preaching at churches, it's usually Russian. Um, but they do have a Romanian group here and there. Um, they okay. also have a, a sports group there, um, and they have uh, groups for.
1: It's athletes in action. Athletes
0: in action. And they also have um, another group with key, for uh, college students and high school students, just with students. And then they have a family group. And then they have a, a church, home church group. And so they have all these different groups that they work individually and then they work collectively. And I don't know, they it's really weird because I wear aloha wear. It kind of... Throws them and I become. I have this. They're used to it now. They are. But it's funny. They At first, they'd laugh at me and they'd say, You know, do you always wear that? And I go, Yeah. I mean, and so um, I teach at the seminary with the Aloha shirts.
1: Well, you're memorable.
0: So it's become my signature. I've done every show except for one. I've done every show with Aloha shirt. One, I had the red, white, and blue the stars and the stripes oh. on uh, last year on uh, Fourth of July. Oh. But basically, um with them, it's funny because I have white hair, and they think I'm wise.
1: <laughs> well, also in Moldova, most people don't live past their mid-60s or, or older, so um, to see someone who is, say, over the age of 50, who has vitality and energy and still... Out there working is unusual for them.
0: So I just turned 67 this year, and I probably run circles around people who are in their 50s and late 40s.
1: Well, perpetual motion.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it's interesting because, because of this white hair thing. It's funny. They have this respect that they show me.
1: Yeah, there are cultures outside of the United States that actually do uh, respect their elders for their knowledge and their wisdom, and they seek uh, the advice from, you know, their elders.
0: So um, Susan and I spend a lot of time actually in teaching with the missionaries themselves, not just their groups or their Bible studies or their churches, because we do speak at their... You know, their home churches, I do. I have preached at their entire church. or They all come together once a month and have a, a church service uh, from their home groups. But I also do Bible studies for their missionaries themselves. So uh, it, it's become where, I don't know, like I'm a pastor or something, but they seem to treat me with wisdom. Well, here in the United States, I because I have white hair, I'm old. Right. a totally different concept of life and it's really different.
1: Well, what's really important about going to Moldova, too, you actually see that the support that you're providing as a ministry partner is really being used to the fullest to lead others to Christ. And they even take money out of their own gifts that are given to them to help people who are in worse situations than them. It's a whole different attitude that you don't see as much in the United States or other countries. Uh, They really do walk the walk.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, we, when we go over there, they give us a list of items, and, and I try to get great support to buy all the items so we can take over all the clothing. And usually their, their stuff comes to about 2000 to $2,500 of items we got to pay for and that we try to raise. And, and, it, and I've seen one time where one of the missionaries took a pair of boots that we got for them she took them went to the church in a village mm-hmm. and handed them to a, a young girl she must have been 18 19 years old mm-hmm. and and uh, it was just amazing you know totally amazing and um, i know that if we didn't have the money she would try to, the missionary herself would try to buy them out of her own money that she raises support right. for but i think that to see this warmth and and what they do. One of the other ministries that I've never been a participant of, but I guess a lot of the women over there in Moldova, do they do a prison ministry? And I guess you can speak to that.
1: Well, I was supposed to go. I wasn't actually able to, but they do go out uh, to the women's prisons to uh, bring Christ to those people and let them know you know about that
0: one of the things that I think is really neat that I've watched Tampa Truchet do that um, that I have a real problem with is that the missionaries that w- you and I work with they tend to try to reach people for Jesus and then once they've reached them they disciple them mm mm-hmm. And this is a big problem with a lot of people. They'll, oh, you accepted Jesus, good, thank you, I'll see you in heaven, and they walk away.
1: Right, it's sort of a catch and release.
0: Yeah, and, and yeah. I have a real problem with that, and yet I've watched. Uh, I know with uh, Radu and Luda, they provide counseling.
1: And that that's really remarkable, the way they do that, because here in the United States, you have a lot of people who go to churches, and they're invited to receive Christ and then it's on to the next person and then they're, they just don't know what to do. Not everyone follows that, but they're very, very faithful and uh, discipling.
0: One of the things that I I really like um, about the few missionaries that we do personally support is that they have, they have the kind of, respect for us that they will ask us questions biblical questions for for true answers and uh and even if they disagree with us well i'm not sure i agree and we can have a a nice discussion about you know what the differences are why the differences are whether you agree with me or not it's not important but that we continue to seek on church of scriptures for what is the true answer and i think that um I think that's one reason why I like Radu so much.
1: Well, you you really see the sacrifice that they do in order to be able to bring people to Christ. Yeah. And uh, it's remarkable. And I think the more people they have that can become ministry partners, the better it is. And not only do they do the work in Moldova, they train missionaries to go to other parts of Eastern Europe where... You can be killed or arrested for having a Bible or teaching. Uh, It's very dangerous work in a lot of places, but they train people to go to those uh, countries.
0: Yeah, in fact, one of the premise of uh, KBC Ministries, they have the Bible Seminary, and uh, they don't charge, uh, at least to date, they haven't charged for any kind of uh, tuition. But the requirements are that they work in a church after hours, you know, and during the like summer breaks, they do mission work. They go to a country or somewhere where they can actually do mission work. And I know some of these countries that some of them go to are not safe.
1: Right. And but they aren't just trying to save people within their own borders. They're trying to bring people to Christ throughout the region.
0: So when we look at Moldova, we look at a country of, of believers, that those who we work with, who are truly out there um, with real ministry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Real ministry. It's You can tell it's not fake. Uh, we don't go over there and when I do a seminar on a relationships or whatever it might be, I don't charge for that. It's just part of the ministry. Yet I know that one of the, Missionaries there decided to see what it would be, and they called for some guy who was here in the United States, and see if they would come out to Moldova and just see if they would do something. They wanted basically fifty thousand dollars,
1: right? And
0: well, they can't, they can't afford a thousand. I mean, it's just unreal. I,
1: I think people who really want to experience um, uh, real mission work out there would be to support the people in Moldova as ministry partners, or even uh, go on a mission trip there.
0: Yeah. One, I have to tell you this one real quick. One of my favorite missionaries that we support, his name is uh, Sasha Gurman. And he was one of my students in the Bible Seminary. I think he was probably my best student. My, I can't say favorite, but he was my best student. And um, I love him in pieces. He's actually on his own learning Hebrew. And that is incredible. He's learning the language. He's learning the ancient language. And, he, and he, we talk about this all the time. Well, you know, and, I'll, and when I, he actually gets up, He has gotten on my Zoom class when I've talked to my class. And I'll bring up a Hebrew thing situation. He'll say, you know, exactly right, the Hebrew. And he'll talk about the Hebrew and what it means and this and that. I'm thinking, this is amazing.
1: Well, they always want to grow and learn. Yeah. And their tenacity is just unbelievable.
0: So we leave, we leave in October, October 28th on our trip over to Moldova. We should be back on November 30th. We will be doing a a program every Wednesday, two of them on our way there and two of them while we're there. Uh, The last two will be in a studio. But pray for us, pray for our safety, pray for our ministry that, you know, things, that things are doing well in the ministry there. Right now, they're having problems with COVID and, and so forth. And it's uh level four, whatever they want to call it. And uh, we want to pray for them and pray for the people because they're so sincere about their work and what they do. I am so totally in love with these people in Moldova. I, I just, I can move there. I probably would have moved there if it wasn't for my wife telling me, no, this isn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, But anyway, thanks for joining us today. Uh, We've had a good time, a pleasant time. And uh, you all have a wonderful week. We'll see you uh, next time. And aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.